Exceptional Field Service Delivery creates, magnifies, and sustains exceptional customer experiences and brand loyalty. Welcome to the Super FM Podcast, Field Service Your Way, with me, Michael Israel. I'll lead conversations about critical issues in today's field service ecosystem with knowledgeable and experienced service management professionals. These lively discussions will provide you with timely insights into how your field service team can be a powerful competitive differentiator. A differentiator that can significantly boost customer loyalty and help grow both your customer base and your bottom line. Now, let's learn something. Hello and welcome to Zupa. Today we have Mr. Wajid and we are extremely happy to have him here. Mr. Wajid, you have been the head of business excellence at Nia Limited and have been using Zupa as a field service software tool for the past two years. And now you are the co-founder of Quiz Informatics, providing comprehensive range of business and technology consultancy services to enable organizations to streamline their processes, maximize productivity and improve performance. Thank you so much for accepting to have a podcast with us, Mr. Wajid. Thank you so much, Sanjana. It's an honor for me to be invited to this uh, podcast and thank you for the opportunity. Great. So um, let me just get started, Mr. Wajid. So uh, could you just tell us how the market in the Middle East is gearing up for the fourth industrial revolution? We'll have to start back a little uh, while back, going back into the 19th century. Uh, the first industrial revolution was started then with the advent of the steam engine, uh, which changed the nature of manufacturing. And more importantly, it reordered society along the way. Now with the fourth industrial revolution, which is the current period of rapid transformations across industries, societies, and nations, which is catalyzed by technology, connectivity, and automation. This is what uh, is the real impact that we're seeing today in our society. Just like the original industrial revolution, the fourth industrial revolution is having profound consequences on every facet of our lives, on how we work, how we play, create, and consume. The UAE, the UAE and Dubai specifically has always sought to be at the forefront in terms of technology acceptance within the region. With the fourth industrial revolution, however, they do not only want to be recipients of this development, but also drive it. Uh, so in this regard, they have taken a few steps. The first thing that they launched their fourth industrial revolution strategy, which is from the government, which envisions, quote unquote, to become a leading global hub and an open lab for the fourth industrial revolution's applications. The second thing that they have done is uh, established a center for the fourth industrial revolution, uh, which they call C4IRUAE, which is a collaboration between the Dubai Future Foundation and the World Economic Forum. Uh, in essence, setting up the first affiliate center in the MENA region. Uh, the objective is to serve as a private public platform for the collaborative development of frameworks that anticipates the risks and accelerates the social benefits of technology. And the goal is to create governance frameworks and work with multi-stakeholders in the community to refine and test them. And the third initiative, and uh, something that would be of interest to many of the listeners to this podcast, would be the National Program for Coders Initiative which was launched by the UAE in collaboration with Google, Microsoft, Amazon, LinkedIn, Nvidia, Facebook, IBM, and a few other uh, multinationals. 
So this program seeks to train and attract 100,000 coders and establish 1,000 digital companies in the next five years. It also seeks to increase startups, uh, investment in startups from about 1.5 billion dirhams to about 4 billion dirhams. And in order to get these talented individuals to the UAE, uh, they are offering uh, 100,000 of the world's best coders uh, a golden visa. A golden visa in the UAE is an opportunity to get, in essence, uh, permanent residency uh, for the UAE, which is uh, quite a big achievement, uh, in my opinion. So these three initiatives together uh, just show that the UAE is very keen uh, in the development towards the fourth industrial revolution, and they're fully geared up uh, to take on the challenge. Wow, that was a good brief, Mr. Wajid. So since there's like a lot of ramping up happening, right? So what do you think pose as a challenge for businesses to convert from the traditional system to digital tools? Uh, challenges uh, are always going to be there in technology acceptance. Uh, according to McKinsey, there are generally five categories uh, which have to be met in order to drive a successful digital transformation. Uh, first being having the right digital savvy leaders. Uh, second, building the capabilities in the workforce. Three is empowerment of the people to work in the new ways. Uh, fourth is starting off with the simple upgrades. That is the day-to-day -to -day tools that require digital upgrade. And fifth is communication, uh, whether it is through traditional or digital methods. And if all these five categories are not in order, uh, then the challenges would arise. So uh, generally, if you have uh, leadership that is not attuned to the changes in the digital world, uh, it becomes even more challenging to get a company with such leaders on board to the transformation journey. And the other four points, which more or less talk about uh, your engagement with the people within the company and the, the employees of the company. And that's where culture comes into play. And uh, most digital transformations would fail if the culture uh, is not permeated down to the last uh, colleague in the line. And everyone has to be equally bought into the strategy. So I would say that having a vision uh, is one, and that's driven by the leaders. And having then the culture to carry through that vision uh, is another. Uh, so these are the two things, uh, if catered to properly, uh, would overcome the other challenges that would otherwise arise in a conversion from the traditional system to a digitized world. Well, I couldn't agree more with you, Mr. Vajan, since we talk to more businesses who want to digitize, and we are hearing similar stories. So uh, since you have been part of many transitions uh, in your previous org, Right, so what is the incubation period that these businesses take time to make the switch? It would be very difficult to, to give a, a figure on this uh, because there's just so much variation in the market uh, depending on the size of the organization, the number of employees, the industry that they operate in um, and general culture towards tech in the company. Uh, so on average, if I had to put down a number, I would say that uh, from the time when a solution is pitched to a particular client till the time a decision is made could be on average six months. Uh, and this is because one, they have to buy in the solution itself uh, to see the benefits of it. And after you take that step, then it comes to the commercials and uh, commercials can be quite tedious in this part of the world. 
And uh, then when it comes to the implementation, uh, you will face quite a few user challenges uh, depending on how tech savvy the company colleagues are. Uh, so if you're talking about incubation period to complete a digital transformation journey, I would say a minimum one to two years, but to get uh, that first foot through the door to begin the journey, I would say about six months. I firmly agree with you over here since there can be different parameters that can impact this period. So what potential do you actually see at the moment, Mr. Vajan? The, the potential is massive, and that's why we've set up Quiz Informatics recently. Uh, the UE continues to grow rapidly in the technology space. Both the private and public sector players are seeking to modernize, and they will, uh, they're looking to adopt state-of-the-art solutions. And they're doing this to catch the broader global wave of innovation, data utilization, digital transformation, and technological advancement. Uh, the UE's desire to diversify and build a knowledge economy is pushing these new opportunities. And as I mentioned before, the government has set aside large parts of the budget to achieve this vision. The IT spending in the UAE is forecasted to increase at 6.5% over 2020 to 2023 to reach a total of $8.2 billion. And among this, software and services demand will drive IT spending growth over the medium term, especially demand from the large industries for solutions around cloud computing, data analytics, cybersecurity, and uh, IoT. Right, uh, and Mr. Wajid, let's talk about the elephant in the room. You know, given the current COVID-19 situation, how has the impact been on the Middle East technology adoption? So uh, this is a very interesting question because um, pre-COVID, we could not be having this conversation so freely because there were some limitations in terms of voice over IP in this part of the world. But uh, with the onset of COVID, uh, the realization that people are now working remotely, have no other option but to work remotely, has seen one huge change, which is the uh, removal of restrictions on uh, communication tools such as Microsoft Teams, Zoom, Google Meet, et cetera. And that has really allowed UE to flourish uh, during time of COVID, which would otherwise have been impossible if these communication tools were not available. But in general, most companies amid COVID had no option but to at least set up some temporary solutions to meet many of the new demands on them. And much more quickly than they had thought uh, they would be able to do before the crisis. Most of these changes are expected to be long lasting and companies are already making the investments that will make sure that the digital transformation journey will continue. Uh, we can expect some more funding for digital initiatives. Uh, and we can expect that in, in terms of the softwares that are going to be implemented by companies, uh, but also in terms of the knowledge within the company, which is the number of people that they have in technology roles. And finally, uh, it's a realization that customers also are looking for digital solutions in terms of interacting with companies. So that is going to drive up the uh, initiatives on that front. To stay competitive in this new environment, the companies will have to adopt new strategies and practices. And there is this recognition uh, of technology strategic importance as a critical component of business and not just a source of cost efficiencies. So companies are actively looking to fill gaps for technology talent during the crisis, and they're using more advanced technology and they're willing to uh, invest their time and money into experimentation and innovation. 
So here we can strongly affirm that the pandemic has pushed us to do better, isn't that, Mr. Wajid? Absolutely, yeah. So now uh, we can see ERP and CRM and ticketing and support tools, which are picking up. So how do you see a need for field service management tool in the market? So the, the tools that you mentioned, ERP, CRM, ticketing and support, uh, all of these have seen an uptick uh, recently because it's all being viewed with the, with the corporate financial lens, which is what will help you either increase your revenue or what will help you reduce your costs and therefore increase your profitability. Uh, so I believe that companies would also have to start looking at field service management with that same lens. Um, and the, uh, there is definitely already a prevalence of field service management tools uh, in, in the market over here, uh, but it is mainly in companies that have already been well-established in a particular line of business, such as facility management, and they have large, large organizations, and therefore they have adopted these tools at, at a very early stage. But field service management has, has gone beyond now in the recent years, especially with the additional features that Super uh, brings to the table. And there's a lot more that can be done through these tools. So uh, the more education that is given uh, as to what can be accomplished through Zupa's field management uh, tool or any other field management tool would help improve the prevalence of these tools in the market. It is also to bring in that education specifically on the fact that this tool does not necessarily only apply to one particular industry or uh, one particular kind of business. And it can be used for any company at this stage and point of time because there is uh, such a strong prevalence of remote working now. Uh, and there is always some module within uh, F FSM tool that can be used by a corporate and that would help them and to show them benefits uh, on the financial lens as well. I couldn't agree more. It's quite interesting to actually see uh, people taking interest for field service in the market. So Mr. Wajid, let's switch gears to Zupa. So when you first started using Zupa, what needs did it cater that you didn't know yourself that you needed before? To be absolutely honest, uh, I was introduced to Zuper in probably the first week of uh, my new job. Uh, so it was one of the first meetings that I had while I was uh, joining the company. And uh, uh, it was introduced to me as a tool for uh, HR time and attendance, which is to, uh, since we had a remote team, uh, we, had a, we had a sales team that was spread out all across the UAE we needed a tool to track their attendance, to see where they're punching in from. Uh, and that is what we were initially using the tool for. Uh, and only after we brought the tool on board, um, did we get a better understanding of the multitude of uh, offerings that Zuper had to offer. So it took some time and effort from both Zuper's team and the company's in-house team to design uh, from a logical sense, what all we wanted to do with the Zupa tool. So we started off with time and attendance. And the next step that we did, uh, we managed uh, sales team routing uh, and we developed methods in which the sales team would report their daily action plan and the daily action reporting within the Zupa platform. And from the sales team, we moved on to our after sales service team. And with the help of Zupa, we were able to automate the job allocation process, uh, the, the technician uh, allocation process, 
the customer experience was exemplified because we were able to then connect with the customer to help them schedule a service visit uh, at, at their own uh, preference. Uh, we were able to collect feedback from the customer through a link that would be sent out. So there was so much that we did in the after-sales service uh, that we, we had as learnings. And then we implemented that into our delivery service as well at, at my previous company. And we then uh, automated the delivery side of uh, our operations as well. So it just grew and grew uh, in terms of what we could do on Zuper. And uh, at the time that I was leaving the company, we were also looking at other ways we could further improve the customer experience uh, using the Zuper tools that we had. And I forgot to mention in between that Zuper also helped us in creating a white label app, uh, which was customer facing. And another uh, white label app, which is internal facing. Uh, and both of those apps have been immensely helpful in, in the management of our business. And they're, of course, interconnected with the main Zuper platform. So there is data collation in one area. And those data insights are also, again, uh, helping the business in understanding uh, a lot more and being able to plan a lot better. We are so happy that we could help you operate efficiently, Mr. Wajid. So how do you see a field service management tool uh, need as in, in the future? The, uh, I, I definitely think that uh, most companies would require an FSM tool uh, in some shape or form. Uh, the, 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 the benefits are rather the features that I mentioned just now uh, may not be required for all companies, but when you have a remote sales team, uh, at the very least, you would require remote management of that team in terms of attendance. Uh, and you would also require remote management of the team in terms of their sales performance. And that is at a basic level, what Zuper can, can do and what maybe other FSM tools will, will endeavor to do. Uh, but I'm not sure that they do at this stage and Zuper is unique on that front. Um, there is definitely a need for it in the future. Uh, and I see that most recently in a, in, a, in a recent case where we were pitching Zuper to a client and uh, they said that, you know, if since Zuper has so much functionality within it, such as inventory and asset management, uh, how much do I really need another ERP module for it? And since if I can have it all consolidated within Zuper, that would make my life so much easier. So there are these things that keep coming up, which make me realize that there is so much more room and we just need to give a think about it to see how we can better improve our client's uh, journey with an FSM tool like Zuper. That's wonderful to hear, Mr. Wajid. So uh, the next question is a more of a candid one. So is that actually what made you become our channel partner for Zuper? What made me become a channel partner for Zuper is uh, the, uh, to begin with, it's the people. Uh, so it would be uh, Mr. Anand, uh, who is the CEO, Mr. Raghav as a CTO, Mr. Karthik, Mr. Vijay. I have had the unique opportunity of interacting with these gentlemen uh, in both formal and informal settings. And what I realized is I'm sitting in a room of a people who are visionaries, who have uh, this will and this drive to continuously improve uh, on what they had already developed. And there is no stopping them. There is always something in the, in the forefront. There's always something coming up. And that is one core reason why I think that Zuper is such a great partnership to have because we are partnering with visionaries. 
The second reason why I would say that I, I, I decided to become a partner of Zooper is because the tool itself is fantastic. And having used it, uh, having experienced it both from a business user perspective, uh, from an end user perspective as well, uh, I think that uh, there is so much that super adds value to a business. Uh, and I think that it would be uh, an honor to be able to sell Zooper as a product to other clients in the Middle East and get the same benefits that we have derived in the past to them. Likewise, Mr. Bajid, we are extremely thrilled to have you as a channel partner since you've known us well for the past two years and we've grown together. So we are very, very excited to have you on board as our channel partner. And um, thank you. <laughs> so we have also seen businesses that are used to on-premise tools, right? And it's hard to come out of that mindset. So what do you hope for the future of SaaS business in the Middle East? Uh, small to medium-sized enterprises are expected to grow at a higher rate uh, during this period, owing to the increased adoption of technology tools by these SMEs. Uh, SaaS offers several benefits to the SMEs as it reduces and eliminates expensive hardware or software costs, and it requires no maintenance or licensing costs, which you know, boosts the growth of the segment. Uh, SaaS-based solutions are, are more easy to integrate and easy to use, and more importantly, they provide high scalability and flexibility, which is what is creating the demand for SaaS among the SMEs. And moreover, they see the benefit of adopting these, these, these SaaS softwares as it's enhancing their customer experience. So I see there is a, a huge potential and a huge future for SaaS business, especially among the SMEs here in, in the UAE. Uh, however, there are some concerns, especially when it comes to data security and also complexity with uh, local regulation compliance, which might be restraining market growth a little bit. But I see that as, as something that would be easily overcome since the UAE is actively uh, taking efforts to make its regulations more easy to find and easy to follow. Uh, and also since they're adopting uh, mainly what is considered as international norms when it comes to uh, the regulations, which means that if you are, for example, complying with the regulations of the US or the UK, you most likely are already complying with the regulations of the UAE. Uh, so that makes it easy for global software such as Zooper to come in uh, and, and, and get into this market with limited barriers in terms of entry. Uh, so going back to the question, uh, I see SaaS for the SME as, as a growing opportunity. Well, uh, it's exciting to see how SaaS is evolving. And as much as you defined it, Rajiv, I don't think people could have coined that better. So um, is there any key takeaway? Is there something that you want to say at the end for, you know, be it FSM or, you know, be it how things are evolving, anything? Uh, I think that, uh, you know, the digital transformation as a buzzword is going around quite a bit. Uh, and because it's such a vast uh, term, it covers so many different operations, softwares, hardwares, it's just so broad uh, in, in what it signifies. Uh, it's important that we take digital transformation in steps and, and in phases. And, uh, and it is also important to consider that FF, FSM should be one of those phases that you do take uh, as part of your digital transformation journey. 
So when we talk about this uh, to potential clients, we break it down in a way that we say, first focus on the core business and let's take care of that. But if your core business is going to be affected by customer experience, which is not as great as you would like it to be, then you need to look at these tools such as FSM uh, to make your uh, solution composite from, a, from an end user experience and from an internal experience as well. Uh, so I would say that digital transformation should not scare people uh, and the way it should be approached is in a step-by-step -step manner. That's lovely, Mr. Wajid, since you covered it all, actually. So that brings us to the end of this podcast. Thank you so much for taking your time out, Mr. Wajid, to have a candid chat with us. Thank you so much, Anjana, again. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for listening to Zuper FM, field service your way. Insightful discussions and advice that help you position your field service operations as a powerful force in building enduring customer loyalty. And remember this, when you deliver excellent service to your customers, you're also facilitating their ability to provide superior service to their customers, which strengthens brand loyalty among their customer base as well. Thanks again. Please join us next time.